Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, and wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed uh, on Spotify, Apple, uh, and go subscribe. Because if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode. Plus, you get Titans content. Plus, you get Predators content. Plus, you get all the other good stuff that A to Z is doing. Uh, also, just go over to A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I write. We're at Charlie underscore Burris and at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And as I already mentioned, A to Z Sports.com. Go check it out. Let's get right into it. Tennessee, Georgia this week. And Georgia, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Dang it. They're really good. Uh, they put a vice grip on Tennessee's offense, and they didn't let go. Um, let's talk about it, Zach. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of starting to get concerned that this might be the year Georgia breaks its uh, title drought because this team really does seem for real. All I've heard about is how the offense isn't that great. The defense is carrying Georgia, but... I don't know. It didn't feel that way. I mean, when they wanted to get yards, they got yards. Tennessee was able to stop them some, but those offensive linemen are huge. Just watching them in comparison to some of Tennessee's linebackers that were trying to rush and their defensive linemen, those dudes look like they could be playing on Sundays right now. Whoever the left tackle is for Georgia, I guarantee you that dude's going to be in the NFL playing soon. Uh, It's just unreal the amount of talent that they've gathered there in Athens. We've said it a lot. Are they killing you with scheme? Absolutely not. Kirby Smart has not made his living being a great in-game coach. He's not a mastermind of college football schematics, like maybe Josh Heupel seems to be to whatever extent. But the man can recruit, or Georgia just has super deep pockets, depending on how you want to look at the way (laughs) that recruiting goes in the SEC. They're getting these dudes in the door, and they are just men playing boys. That's what that was. I hate to say that because Tennessee put up an admirable effort. Obviously, you had the lead in the football at the end of the first quarter. People, I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes from what I saw in that first quarter from Tennessee. It was great. But at the end of the day, Heupel can scheme as much as he wants to. He does not have the horses yet. Um, And he needs to get them ASAP if you want to compete with what Kirby Smart is putting out there on the football field. Because he doesn't have to scheme. Kirby doesn't have to do anything. Kirby can go out here and run this run-heavy NFL-style nonsense that he's doing, and they just impose their will on you. And it is demoralizing, and it sucks to watch, and I hate it, and it makes me want to throw up in my mouth, and Kirby Smart is a smarmy douche, and he is a smarmy douche who has a good football team. Unfortunately, <laughs> and so um, it just is what it is. I, I wanted to be able to come on this show today and have a different take and be like, Georgia 
is is vulnerable. I definitely saw some things that can be exposed, and uh, I I don't know that I did. I really don't. I don't think I did. It yeah. sucks. <laughs> I'm. They're probably you know they're going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. Texas A and M kind of blew their shot at, at that this weekend. And based on what we saw from Alabama when Tennessee played Alabama, I don't. Yeah, I mean, Alabama could beat Georgia, of course, and it wouldn't shock me if they beat Georgia just because we've seen so many Kirby Smart teams, you know, fail when they when it really counts. But as of right now, just all things, all that out the window, Georgia's the better team. They've looked like the better team all season. They're almost having a 2019 LSU year where they're just – blowing out everybody they haven't been in a close game i mean tennessee was up seven to nothing and i believe it was georgia's biggest deficit of the year i mean that's that's unreal um just the fact that tennessee was up like seven nothing ten seven in the first quarter and people were kind of raising their eyebrows that tells you how good georgia's been i asked this question on twitter and uh i'll ask you too I think at this point we could say Ole Miss is the third best team probably in the SEC uh, after they beat Texas A&M. They're, it's not like they're by maybe a wide margin, but you know they, I'd probably if I had to pick a third best team, I'd say Ole Miss. What do you think the score would be if Ole Miss and Georgia played? Fifty-two to fourteen. I mean, it just, yeah, it's yeah, it'd be similar to the it would Tennessee, be Tennessee score. It would, yeah, it would be Tennessee's score. You know, and and I just think like they're arguably their defense is right there with, with Tennessee's, I, you know, I just, I don't foresee anything stopping Georgia. It makes me, I want to like take a shower when I say that, but I mean, what someone, Hey, hit us up on Twitter. Did you see anything that suggests that they are not the best team in college football? Cause I certainly didn't. I mean, they, yeah, Tennessee made some moves. Tennessee was able to move the ball to whatever extent. Tennessee made mistakes that they could not make, and that's a problem. But Georgia did not win that football game because Tennessee made mistakes. Georgia won that football game. They they clamped down, and they played their football. And, yeah, in that first quarter, Tennessee played their football. Tennessee had them for a second there, for but for like a second. And then it just flipped, and that, that depth – that talent, that power just takes over. They are better than Alabama. They, the only thing that I could see happening in that SEC championship game, and I am, I'm usually not that excited about the SEC championship game. Usually it's like, oh, Alabama versus Florida. Can't wait to see Florida get beat by 40. What a great time that's going to be. But this year, I'm very interested to see how Alabama fares against Georgia because I could see Saban giving I, I guess he's a better coach Saban is Saban is the prime recruiter and the great coach and that's why Saban has won all of these national titles if Kirby was a better coach he has a national title by now I don't think mm-hmm. that's even a question he's had he's had more talent than Nick Saban multiple years now this is not the first time he's had this kind of talent and he underutilizes it if he's a better coach he has multiple national titles by now probably if not one at least and Saban is both and maybe Saban could could outcoach him maybe they have comparable talent Saban just scores more points finds a way whatever and and they they get a win 
but per se, like that doesn't even turn into that much of a football game. Who is who's even going to touch Georgia? Ohio State? What? Not Oregon? No. Not definitely not Cincinnati. What? No. And then Oklahoma kind of showed that the the committee was right by placing them at what were they eighth while they yeah, were undefeated? Goodness. Yeah, I mean they I'm were glad. correct. Thank you, Baylor, because you saved us all from the pain of just watching Oklahoma get dumped on in a playoff game because that's all that would have happened. Michigan or Michigan State? I mean, do they somehow – I don't Heck think no. they either one of them is going to give Georgia a game. No. Ugh. I don't I don't even want to think about this. This uh, sucks. Georgia, to me – and we've, we've said this before. Georgia winning a national championship is – bad on so many levels worst case scenario as a worst fan case. as a fan it's tough because you've seen alabama win i mean you've seen florida win in the past 15 years you know you haven't in in my lifetime your lifetime we haven't seen georgia ever win and you've kind of been able to hold that over georgia fans you know when you're when you're at a bar and you're having those conversations it's just something fun that you can kind of hold over georgia because they have got the best of tennessee in recent years and aside from that the recruiting angle i mean Tennessee and Georgia's recruiting areas, they overlap a lot. And Georgia's one of the teams you're going up against to get some of these key players. And until it flips and until you you can land some of those guys, you're really not going to beat Georgia. Your only hope is that Heupel is Heupel's the better steamer over uh, Kirby. Your only hope is that you get some of the Georgia rejects, maybe that sign with Georgia and they're not getting any playing time and they hit the portal and you load up on those guys, which I think is the way Heupel's going to try to go about building this team at least the first couple of years. Any and all should be welcomed yes. by Josh Heupel. Just come Especially, on in. Especially uh, linebackers. Oh, my goodness. It's so brutal with this roster. If you even lose one person right now, obviously we've seen it all season long. Just get anybody in the door, preferably, yeah, some of these cast-offs. For, you know, I don't want to be – I don't want that to sound mean. They're good players that just – Georgia and Alabama are so good that, that you know, you miss out on your opportunity. Yeah, four-star guy's not going to sit. Yeah, I mean, and like a, a Tennessee needs to be sitting there waiting with open arms, just welcome. Here's your spot. Mm-hmm. Welcome to – you're a starter in the SEC now. You know, <laughs> that's that's who Tennessee needs to be. During this offseason, I, and I think that's what Heupel is thinking. We shall see. Uh, I think a lot of people are getting clammy because we haven't gotten a, a, a commitment in like three and a half months or something. You've got to think he's keeping those spots open for that. I absolutely do. And I look, absolutely do. He, he needs immediate. He needs immediate yeah. players. He doesn't need three years from now. Players. And the ones, the ones he got in the portal this past spring and this past summer, they all pretty much came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't know really any of those guys. Yeah, Javante Payton has been key. Tremblay. Been key, your kicker, uh, McGrath. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's an that's been key. Uh, you got to have those guys, but they weren't really. I don't know. It wasn't really a, a watch Tennessee for this guy. They just kind of popped up out of nowhere, like, "Hey, this guy's at Tennessee now." So you got to believe that's what he's doing here. Absolutely, it, and and if it isn't, that's not good. But we'll talk. I I yeah. will say I'm not going to hawk on that until it happens. You know, um, if you get past national signing day and he hasn't filled those spots i'll be floored that that will be a massive mess up on hypo's part in my opinion if that happens and i don't think it will well i mean how do you how do you play that if you're hypo you've only got so many spots 
you don't know when some of these guys will hit the portal. So it's kind of a gamble. You don't want to fill up on low-end three-stars or mid-tier three-star players who may never contribute and then have to say no to one of these guys. But then what if guys don't hit the portal that you want? Or what if you don't get the guys that hit the portal, they go elsewhere? Then you're kind of sit there stuck with, you know, not in a full class. It is a little precarious because there obviously there are rules against other teams contacting players right. of other teams. Um, yes, Oklahoma. Do you do you do know this, Oklahoma? <laughs> yeah, there like, there are rules against it, but let's be honest, it happens. And I would assume I, I don't think that Tennessee is above that, and they shouldn't be. You got to you know to be in college football at a high level, you got to be in the mud. It's it's a snake pit. And to be great, you got to be a viper. I mean, that, that's the way that it is. Um, every great coach ever has been, you know, oh, you're, you think yours is different. No, they were, they were don't, you know, oh, you can, you can look like Hugh Freeze used to at Ole Miss quoting Bible verses and all that stuff. And then eventually the truth always comes out. Everybody who is good in this sport, that's what they have to do. You have to play in the mud. Um, but that I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I will say that much to be, and by intrigued, I mean nervous because <laughs> uh, you need the guys. You I'm getting there them. too. I thought by now it would look a lot different. And I'm, I don't, I'm not expecting Josh Heupel to get out there and land the top 10 class in year two. We know Butch Jones recruited well because he sold a false bill of goods to a lot of recruits. He lied to a lot of recruits. He, he said whatever he had to say and without concern for, the fact that one day he would have to face those promises head on. And when he had to face them head on, a lot of players left Tennessee. Jalen Hurd, you know, he was one of the guys that left in the middle of the season, which is kind of common now. You see that all the time. You think about the outcry that happened when Jalen Hurd did it. It was a huge deal. But that's the way Butch got his recruiting classes. We all know how Jeremy Pruitt got his guys. Uh, pretty public at this point that, that they were paying players and they were very sloppy about it. Heupel is probably not, you know, he's not making these false promises. We, I'm sure there's still deals going on, especially now with the name, image, likeness stuff. But Tennessee's got to be a lot more careful about that stuff now. I mean, they can't be shoving it in recruits' faces at this point. So I understand that, that that's not going to happen, top 10 class. But you you got to land a top 25 class. You have to. That's the minimum. You can... With somebody like Hypel's scheme, he can take a top 25 class and he could be a top 10 or 15 team. I fully believe that. He's taken, what, 70 scholarship players right now and he's right there with Ole Miss, uh, a top 10 team pretty much, and it comes down to the last play. He's he's given Alabama a scare. He's hanging in there with Georgia till his player till he runs out of gas with his players. I Top 25 is what he needs for now. To to get championships, yeah, you're going to need those top 10 classes. But right now, it's got to be top 25 classes, and, and it is a little nerve-wracking at this point. Yeah, I'll, I'll, feel, I'll feel more relieved if we can get through February and he, he puts together a top 25 class. I'll be like, all right, okay. You know, it's not top 10, but we're moving in the right direction. So, I again, it's just not... I'm not going to jump off that cliff until <laughs> until we get there. So with with that said, I think the question is this after this Georgia game. To, to me, that I, I walk away, you have two games left. You know, you don't want to put the car before the horse. Vandy is 
garbage. South Carolina might, or South Alabama might be better than Vandy. Let's be honest. Um, I mean, they're they're just two teams that you should walk all over. I believe both games are in Neyland. Um, so, you know, you're, you're closing out in the easiest way that you possibly could, I think. Seven wins. But this week against Georgia, I think, and, and any of these games that you had in the last few weeks against better teams, specifically the Alabama game, is a reality check, I think, where you go, we can scheme our way into the top half of the SEC, but you cannot scheme your way into the elite echelon of college football. You cannot. It takes players. And so the the question for me right now, it's been nothing but positivity with Hypel. I have felt it too. I absolutely do. Go go listen to the uh, the post game show with Jonathan Crompton. Uh, it was great. My myself and Cromp after the this Georgia game where we we talked about the the single word that you would use to describe Heupel's time at Tennessee so far, uh, and mine was different. Like, it feels different from the last few coaches. A hundred percent. I mean, and from Pruitt, I mean, this is a 180-degree flip. Just the complete opposite. It feels different and in a good way. But are we, without knowing how this recruiting class is going to turn out, are we even still maybe getting the Heupel train or the hype? Hype, hypo train, however you want to say that. Is it moving a little too fast so far? Are we getting getting out over our skis and we haven't seen enough to be this excited? It's it's definitely a a question I think is popping up in a lot of people's minds, even if they don't want to confront it. Because I think we've all got excited, with the exception of maybe Derek Dooley, where we just assumed that he was gonna figure it out because we weren't that far removed from the former era. Um with Butch, we started uh, really getting excited in year two. Well, after he beat South Carolina uh, in year one and then moving into year two, getting the bowl eligibility, kind of just started getting a little excited there and then uh, beat Georgia in year three. With Pruitt, he was just, he wasn't Butch Jones. So we were excited by his. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. We were excited about his his no nonsense approach to football. I mean, I remember hearing that a ton. I wrote it a ton. I said mm-hmm. it a ton. He's no nonsense. It's refreshing. And every new coach gets this treatment the first year. And and I've thought about it in my mind. I've I've put out a lot of stuff lately, kind of pumping hype up, just clips from press conferences. But it has been good stuff. The stuff that you want to hear and. Seems like the program's moving in the right direction. The only red flag right now would be maybe the recruiting that we just talked about. Like, are we missing something? Because you look back at Butch Jones in the first year and the second year, and looking back, there was tons of red flags, and it's like, how did we miss this? And the same with Pruitt. You look back and you see all these red flags, the way he kind of talked about the players, his his attitude with fans. Uh, just his his whole approach to kind of his his arrogance, where he really didn't have a reason to be arrogant. Are we missing something with Heupel? That's that's the question I've asked myself the past couple of days. And trust me, I'm going to look for it. But it's been kind of hard to find. But nobody nobody's perfect. There's a reason UCF fans weren't happy with him down there in Orlando. Uh, it, what is it? What are we missing? Is it too good to be true? Every time I tweet or write something positive about Hypel, I think about all of the times now 
that I have, you know, you've moved forward in time and then you look back at what you said about Butch what you said about Pruitt and you just cringe. You go, oh, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I actually taught that. <laughs> to my to my own credit, I am so cynical that I think from, <laughs> compared to a lot of other people, I have less of those. <laughs> also to my own detriment. A lot of times I miss out on some enjoyment of things because I, I'm so cynical about things. But... um. You know, I I just think back and I go, oh, I actually said good things about Butch Jones. Oh, boy, I actually said good things about Jeremy Pruitt. And I think about that now every time I say something about about Heupel, it is it is a PTSD. It is me just going like, am I going to in three years look back at this and be like, oh, God, why did we think that? But I also so I I will put my current position here during that that postgame show that I just mentioned with, with Crompton. His prediction, and again, I suggest everybody go and listen to it. It is his sports YouTube page. It's right there. Um, but his idea was, he says Tennessee will be in the SEC championship game within two years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Possible? Sure. You, uh, you look at the situation in a realistic way, Florida is falling apart. If they keep Mullen, I think they're going to drill that thing into the ground even further. If they get a new coach, it's going to take him a second to get things back together. And so you got them, you got Florida in a good spot. Mm-hmm. You're better than South Carolina. You're better than Missouri. You're better than Vanderbilt. You're better than Kentucky. You know, you're already there. So you're sort of the third team in line in the SEC East. And it comes down to Georgia. But you look at Georgia and you go, you're not touching that powerhouse for a minute here. You got to get some warm bodies in the door before that happens. Um, and even then, I, I don't know, just when you look at the the machine that Kirby has built talent-wise. Um, and so he's he is the, Crompton is the epitome of optimistic when it comes to this, and I respect that. Hey, I'm, I'm more than happy for you to think that, and I hope that happens. So much I hope that happens. I would say I, I have optimism that is dialed back three notches from where Crompton is at where I'm like, this feels different. This is really nice. I've seen encouraging things. This is cool that he's taking a lesser set of players and scheming them up to be better than they probably should be. That's awesome because it gives me encouragement for, you know, what, what happens when he gets better players? Are they just going to be that much better? It seems that way. I think that you've seen player development, which you didn't see with Brew, which you didn't see uh, with, with Butch, especially with Butch because he had a super talented set of players that he just never could actually get anything out of. Um, and so, yeah, encouraged, optimistic, but hesitant still because boy, we've been here. We've been excited a thousand times. And when you get a reality check like this Georgia game, it's just hard for me not to go like, where are we really at? What are we really facing with Hypel here? Cause I like a lot of it and where, where are these red flags that I should be looking out for? You know, you all, you always got to have that head on swivel. Everybody, everybody says you got to have that that Tennessee cup on. You know, if if Tennessee finishes eight and five this year, that's obviously the best first season that any any new coach has had. You know, since since Fulmer left, so that would be automatically reason to feel much better about Heupel than any of the previous four coaches that were at Tennessee. Now, as far as the 
SEC championship game within a couple of years. It, it really all depends on Georgia and if they sustain what they've built this year. I mean, I guess the one hope is that, like, like we talked about earlier, the transfer portal kind of hurts some of their depth. And if, if they get some guys that get banged up and, and they can't, they don't have this exact level of talent across the board. Cause that's the one thing Heupel and other coaches have said that they rotate a defensive lineman out and it's the next guy up is the same guy. I mean, th- there's no drop off when they rotate. And that's part of why they're so good is not, not just the talent, but it's the talent and, and the depth of the talent. I mean, right now, Tennessee is one win away or one Kentucky loss away, basically, from finishing second in the SEC East this year, which is a surprise. I didn't really expect that. So, yeah, they, they, they're they right on track to be the top. They should be top three every year at this point, really. I mean, once you get past South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, where, where you should be, you should stay there pretty easily. It should be you know Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia battling it out every year. The one worry is if ten- if Florida does fire Mullen, Florida still has some talent. It's still an easy place to recruit to. You know, who do they hire? What if Lane Kiffin goes there? What if I don't know, what if James Franklin goes there and he is much better suited to coach there than Penn State? You know, you know Penn State's not an easy place to win and they don't have the the facilities that he wants there and and all that and and Franklin's a good recruiter. He could probably recruit pretty well to Florida. Yeah, you, know, you get somebody like that, and and all of a sudden Florida's kind of like Georgia when Mark Rick left. They're right back in, in the in the top of the SEC East. So I don't know. I, I want to see that that jump from year one to year two. I mean, if Heupel goes and wins 10, 11 games next year, then yeah, I'm, I'll feel like it's a possibility. If he goes in, they beat LSU next year. They they beat Florida. Maybe they just lose to Georgia and Alabama, finish like six and two, which we haven't seen in a long time, even five and three. Then I'll believe that maybe in a couple of years, Tennessee can make it. But I've got to see a big jump from year one to year two. You can't go eight and five again. Here's here's a stat that I always go back to. Every current uh, national championship winning coach, active national championship winning coach, won at least nine regular season games in their second year Mm. uh, as coach at wherever they coached at. These dudes that are great get it done quick. You know, you can say, oh, it's a five-year rebuild or whatever, but I think at Tennessee, it's pretty clear it's not a five-year rebuild. You're competing already. You're competing. I mean, you're you're third in the SEC. So let's, um, and like you said, one Kentucky went away from being second. So, I mean, you go seven and five. That's what Nick Saban did in his first year at Alabama. That's what Kirby yeah. Smart did, you know, before the bowl game at, at Georgia. That is what you're supposed to do in year one. That, what Heupel's doing is the bare minimum he should do to show that he's taking this program to the next level. It's, I, you know, we talked about Jeremy Pruitt going eight and five in year two, and it was a big deal. Well, he he should have won ten games. Uh, he he really he did the minimum of what he should have done in year two. So. We can't get to it. I know Tennessee hasn't been there in a long time, and people like to point that out. But that's that's what you should be. Eight and five should be the floor for for Tennessee in any given year, no matter what they face. Yeah, you, your your worst year should be this year. Yes, where you go seven and five. Okay, fine. Because those and years used to happen, even in Farmer's yeah, great years. Yeah, you would have those every now and then when you you've had players graduate out. 
I know it was a different game back then, but it yeah, it happens. Yeah, it, it's it's almost unavoidable unless you're saving. I mean, who right. who hasn't had years like that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, on on the whole, you're on track as of right now. I I think I'll be hard pressed to say anything all that negative if two things happen: you you win eight games, finish it out win the bowl game and, and unless you know if you if we end up actually playing like Clemson in a bowl game a loss in that scenario I can look back and be like yeah it would have been nice to win eight games you also lost of Clemson who'd won a national yeah. title two years ago <laughs> you know and you, and you also got to look at who plays who doesn't play exactly. and, and all that stuff yeah there, there's context with the bowl game but in an ideal world you win out eight games you do everything you're supposed to do for the rest of the year and then he gets a top 15 recruiting class that is packed with transfers who are going to play immediately mm-hmm. if those two things happen like i said i will be hard pressed to say anything too negative during during this offseason i mean what am i gonna say that it's like I can say, oh, there. Here's a sign of something that might not be working, but that's unfalsifiable. I mean, that's I can't. It's just posture that I. You're not going to be able to actually see how it actually works out for a full year from then. I mean, I. But if if this recruiting doesn't happen, that's a big red flag. I think. Yeah. Um, whether it, it is his fault or not, I, I who knows how big of a factor this NCAA investigation is right. or whatever. Well, that's the, case, yeah, if you look at Hypel and just his personality, there's nothing there that suggests he should be a bad recruiter. He's a personable guy. Yeah. Ramon Foster, you know, told us a couple weeks ago how personable and comfortable he is and how he's just one of the guys. I mean, he's, I tweet these clips out and everybody tweeting back like oh my he's so likable he's such a likable just normal guy that's just comfortable he's not up there putting on a show he's not defensive he's just at ease with himself i don't see how he can be a bad recruiter and a lot of the guys on his staff alex dolish very personable guy i enjoy it whenever he gets up and talks to the media we know willie martinez is a personal guy we've talked to him before a lot of these guys have really good personalities and should be able to recruit really well it's not like Dan Mullen where you look at that guy and I'm like, okay, I can see where if you weren't at Florida, you could struggle recruiting because you're a strange guy and, yeah. and 17-year-old kids probably aren't relating to you too much, even if you do wear some fancy Jordans every now and then. I mean, the fact that the fact that Rodney Garner is on yeah. this staff, that's why I have a decent amount of confidence that this is a strategy. Right. That this is Hypel going, we're going to cash in on the transfer portal and not him whiffing on a ton of recruits. I also give him grace in his first year to some extent because these kids have been getting recruited by the the coaches that they committed to for years. Since they were 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's finally coming to fruition, and Heupel is just behind the eight ball as far as that goes. He was recruiting one set of players at UCF that is on a much lower level Mm -hmm. than at the SEC, and he gets to this SEC level, and he doesn't have relationships with many of these kids. Yeah, you can try to pop in at the last second and get some of these guys, but a lot of the time, that will be a futile effort. And I wonder if he's just like, let's not waste our time with that, and let's go get kids from other teams. <laughs> you know, Probably. And, I mean, it makes I mean, sense. It, it does. And, and then because he has these guys that we have verifiable evidence that they are great recruiters on his staff i i go surely this is a this is a strategy that he's 
he's working towards that we will see come to fruition in the next few weeks. And and to add to what you talked about, the relationships there, if you take a step back as a Tennessee fan and you look at a 17-year-old four-star recruit, he's uh, been, been pursued by Auburn, even though it's a new staff, Clemson, some of these schools that are you're battling for these four-star kids, why would the 17-year-old at this point pitch Tennessee over Auburn and Clemson? All things considered. Not saying those are better places for Tennessee. Uh, obviously, I don't. I don't think that, but okay. Tennessee, they've been down for a decade. They've got the NCAA investigation. Well, Auburn won a national championship 10 years ago. They've, they've got a nice stadium. They've got the traditions to Auburn. Clemson won championships. They might be down this year, but they'll be right back. I mean, it's, it's understandable when it comes down to it, why you're not landing some of these guys that don't have maybe a, a direct connection to Tennessee. 100%. 100%. I agree. We'll just have to see. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of time. Um, but I I just thought that this was kind of the perfect time to dial in where the hype train is. Because mm-hmm. I felt a, a ton of positivity, and I love it. That's amazing. There it's, has, it's actually insane how unified like Vol Twitter and yeah. Facebook has been in their love of hype. Well, except <laughs> for like three people that are in my mentions every single day. The same three people that... Uh, they don't even seem like Tennessee fans at this point. It's just everything that, that Heupel does. That, no, he's he's it's it's a gimmick. It's it's not real. Pruitt was the man. He's great defensive mind. All this. Well, stuff. what what you run the hazard of of kind of becoming when you're that person. I know the exact people that you're talking about. How they reply to everything is he's the same thing that we've seen always. He's basically Butch 2.0. This is a gimmick. He's a loser, and he you know. They think that they see they see something that nobody else does, and blah 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 blah. Like just enjoy it. Exactly. Th- that's exactly like have some have some joy in your life. You won a top twenty game in the SEC last week. I told enjoy one, of, it. one of I was like, it's a game, man. Like yeah. I, know, I know I write about Come it, and talk about it every day, but it, it's ultimately a game. You are getting way too like in, this in, emotionally involved with with a coach that's not even here anymore. This this conversation right here is as cynical as I'm willing to go right now. Where I just go, let's let's recalibrate. Let's see where we're at. Let's see, do we see any red flags anywhere? Where exactly? How, you know, how are we feeling? But just like I haven't seen anything to suggest that he's he's Bush 2.0. Like, no, he's not. He's not. I I. But you and when you're that guy, you also really run the risk of being like. One one example I really remember, and, and let me preface this by saying I like Tony Basilio a lot. I listen to his show on a decently frequent basis because it's entertaining. I think he's he's a great host, has a great show. He was super out on Rick Barnes at the beginning, uh, specifically when it came to recruiting. Like, just very like this guy. He thinks that he's great, and he doesn't even talk to recruits or anything. And he, just, you know, he was just ragging on Barnes about it, and then Barnes. Barnes went, and I took that personally. Yeah. And he went and recruited a bunch of five-star players. And then Basilio has kind of had to go like, all right, you got me. You got me. And you run the risk of like being that person that has to go like, okay, I was wrong. And I like, I just, I don't, uh, I'm more than willing to be like called take or whatever. I wish at some point Tennessee would especially when I get down on a coach and I go, Oh, this is over, isn't it? It's done. Like with, at the end of Pruitt, 
where we were like, oh, this guy's a clown, isn't he? He's a, this is he's a loser. <laughs> yep. And and we were going, please, I wish you would just turn it around. Please, oh, yeah. win, it, win a game. Please, please. Like, any, I, oh, okay. Here's this is an example. I'll give my own. I'll I'll be the example here. Titans lose to the Jets a few weeks ago. I'm a huge Titans fan for anybody that's new. Huge Titans fan. And I was raging. Get Mike. You can listen. I said it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Raging that Mike Vrabel needs to get the heck out of Nashville. This guy's a loser. We've seen it 10 times before with the Titans, with the with the Vols, everywhere. Like, I have read this book too many times. Get this guy out of town. And now we're eight and two <laughs> and we're, we're leading the AFC and we're, you know, we won six games in a row, six games all against previous uh, playoff teams from last season. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy and I'm happy. I'm happy about that. I'm happy to be the idiot where I can look back and be like, look at this dummy. And that dummy is me, you know, but that's, that's just the risk that you run. And I don't have those feelings for Hypo right now. Right, I don't see those red flags. No, I, the, I mean the if only I thought I did, thing. I'd say it. The only thing, and I don't even know if it's a legitimate thing to question. And I've we've both questioned it. Uh, his the third down play calling has mm-hmm. been frustrating at times. But I don't know enough of the of how they call their plays to know if that's Hendon Hooker the way he's reading the play. I you know because there's so many different things that the quarterback has to do in in Heupel's offense. And there's certain times he has checks for the protection and, and for the plays, and certain times he doesn't. Is Hooker supposed to see something and go somewhere else? I can't believe that he's choosing to run the ball every time on like third and short. It doesn't, especially when that's not your strength, especially against a team like Georgia that just you're not going to beat them in the trenches like that. I mean, they weren't going to have success that way. So that's that's really the only in-game thing that I've had questions about. But I'm willing to to not put that all on Hypo because I don't completely understand how his offense works. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think my biggest knock in-game is is re- how how I think it would frame it would be his, his commitment, his unwavering commitment to running that system where mm-hmm. he just goes, no matter what, we're doing this thing and whether you, you know, and I just go like, what if we... What if we like evaluated the situation? But you know, sometimes <laughs> it feels like sometimes when he does slow down a little bit and huddle, those plays never work. Yeah. Which is. And so maybe he's right. And that that's yeah. why I, I'm with you. Like I, I am ready to admit, like I'm no football. That's new to all strategist. of us, the system I, anyway. Exactly. Like the, I'm, I'm not some, some, you know, savant in football offense. I, I'm not. And I'm, will happily admit that i this is i've plugged this a ton in this episode seriously go listen to the show with crump in this post game because crompton um he so he coaches high school football and he runs he says i have not watched it <laughs> personally <laughs> because it's high school football but he runs something very similar to hypel's offense and his insight on it is deep and informed and great, and you should go. He did a whole breakdown of Hinden Hooker's play in this game in ways that, like, I can't. He, I mean, Crompton was quarterback at Tennessee, and he's an, he runs a high school offense now. Like, he can talk about it in a way that I can't. So, I would say, stay on the A to Z Sports Network. Of course, we got to plug plug our uh, our homies and go listen to that show. He really, genuinely, I I think it's it's a great breakdown. Go listen to it, uh, A to Z Sports YouTube. But 
Um, so I will happily admit, like, it scares me a little bit that the recruiting, his his unwavering commitment to the system that seems to be at times um overly risky or ho- however you want to frame that it doesn't work every single time you know and he re- he refuses to do anything else but i mean to be fair it, it is averaging 36 points per game right exactly. now and they're through the hardest part of their schedule because when i threw those stats out early in the season after five games maybe after the missouri game i can't remember and i pointed out how much the offense has improved i was hit with replies from those three people of well, those are you know that's half the schedule. That's not talk to me again after they play play Alabama and Georgia and all this. Well, they have played Alabama and Georgia. They're averaging thirty six point one points per game, I believe, which is like top twenty in the nation. They were only averaging about twenty one points per game last year. It's two touchdowns better, and they're probably going to improve on that average because they're playing South Alabama and Vanderbilt to finish the season. So at times it doesn't work, but you know Jeremy Pruitt's system pretty much never worked at all. So, I mean, that's football. You're going to get beat sometimes. Sometimes the defense is going to win. Sometimes the system's not going to work. But overall, for the most part, it's such a huge improvement over one year that, you know, it's hard to question too much. Number 21 offense in America, 451 yards a game. A year ago, the 102nd offense in America, 346 yards a game. Yeah. So, I mean, there you more than a hundred yards better again. And, and scoring way even, more points. And even if you go inside the numbers on that a little bit, I'm I would bet that Tennessee, you know, their time of possession is way less this year. If if you broke down the yards per minute or of possession or something like that, you gotta think Tennessee's offense last year had the ball a lot longer, a lot more opportunities. That's why they're building up yardage last year. So it's really, really doesn't even show how much better it really is because Tennessee this year, they're really pitching up those chunk plays and in, in fewer, in fewer attempts. Number seventeen scoring offense, along with being number twenty one in yards, um, forty six or uh, sorry thirty, what is it thirty six point one points per game. Yeah, you know, I I just I can't watch what I've watched this season and have any deep criticisms. I I just. I can't. Are we being a little overly positive? Maybe. But is that a bad thing right now? Tennessee needs that right now, man. I mean, there's That's, no harm in it. Exactly. Like, yeah, you might you might have some cold takes down the road that we're going to look back on and cringe at, but that's the worst that could happen right now. It's just You like, can't hurt you can't hurt me with those at this point. I've, no. There's been too many. Yeah. I after everything that I said about the last few coaches that Tennessee <laughs> had and you look back on, yep. I mean, Come on, I don't care. Yep. I, so I'm I'm happy to go. I feel differently about Hypel. I like where we're at. I like where we're headed. I've been impressed by this season. You're gonna win seven games. Hopefully you win eight. And and just go, that's a good thing. You know and what's like, crazy about this totally is that we I know I I think I think you, I can't remember for sure, but I think we I mean, I remember when they said Hypel's gonna be the guy texting and being like, no, not why. He wasn't even on our radar. We weren't like, oh man, this is this is the one. Like, even when Pruitt got hired, because the situation got so bad, I think most most people, you know, it came down to Pruitt Tucker and Mel Tucker and Kevin Steele. Obviously, Mel Tucker would have been the best hire of that bunch, Oof. but everybody was kind of like, I hope it goes with, I hope it's Pruitt. 
And we talked ourselves into Butch Jones after everybody said no. Hypo, it felt like the opposite. Like it's like, oh, really? Well, I guess we'll see. And he's turned out to be possibly the best of all those hires. It's pretty pretty crazy. I'm bottom line is I'm having a good time. And let's just see. Let's see how it plays out. Why why get mad now? Why let bad results beat you twice? Because if you get pissed off about it before it even happens, you're pissed off now and you're pissed off later. <laughs> you know? Yes. And just let it go. So there you go. And you know, if you if you do that, then you turn out like me with Mike Vrabel and you look like a dummy. So is what it is. Uh, and with that said, let's talk about something that is going great and looks great and is Tennessee sports. And that is Tennessee basketball. They started their season this week. They played two two games, two snoozers, um, but have looked really good in, in both, generally speaking. Maybe could, could improve the defense a little bit, but I'm not going to get nitpicky before I see him play a real team. Um, and Villanova coming up on the 20th, coming up Saturday. Huge game, a, a top 25 matchup. Villanova right now ranked fourth. Fourth, yeah, top five. It's huge game there. And then the following game, you will play either one of North Carolina or Purdue. It's a big, big set of games right here early in the season. But uh, not sure how much you watched of those first two games uh, of Barnes' team. I was at both games, watched the entire thing, got to see it up close and personal. Uh, but what have you thought so far, Zach? Just enjoy Kennedy Chandler for this one year. Oh, uh, that's the biggest thing. And don't don't even be sad about it because if Kennedy Chandler, if he continues on this pace, I mean, he scored, what, like 30, 36 points in his first two games, and and really he didn't play much of the second half against East Tennessee, right? I mean, he, he was kind of didn't really need to. Uh, if he continues on this pace, he's just going to get better. He's he's a very hard worker. Rick Barnes has praised him for just the way he approaches the game. How he, even during the recruiting process, he was always wanting to get better, and he would ask where he could improve. And the next time Barnes would see him, he'd be better. I mean, that's he's a talented kid, obviously, but the reason he's going to be at that next level is because of his work ethic. So I think we're really just scratching the surface of how good he's going to be by the end of the season. But even if he's one and done, goes to the NBA, don't that just invites even more talented players in to Tennessee. You're just going to start you're going to start seeing Tennessee land more and more of those guys because once one guy goes, they're going to see that same opportunity like, well, he did it. I don't have to go to Kentucky. I don't have to go to Duke to do this. I can go to Tennessee play a year and go to the NBA. And that's, you know, that's the way college basketball has been trending anyway for years. So just enjoy him this year and have fun with it. And don't even worry about the whole one and done thing. I need, heck, I, I am begging Tennessee fans. I know a lot of Tennessee fans are just football fans. There's a lot of people, but not, there are also a lot of Tennessee fans that are great informed consumers of college basketball also but there's just i just have all you know having done media for years and years now in the tennessee climate there are a lot of people that if they do watch college basketball it is tennessee only and they don't really know the full context of college basketball and that's okay that's why i'm saying this it's okay because I, I get it. College basketball can be a wonky product mm -hmm. <laughs> it is it can be ugly and hard to watch and, you know, if you don't like it, I whatever. But I am begging you. Do not take for granted 
Kennedy Chandler this season. If he continues the way that he played in these first two games, you have on your hands, wearing Tennessee orange, a truly special talent. Like a kid that people will talk about in perpetuity and go, do you remember the year with Kennedy Chandler? And you have an opportunity right now for the rest of the season to watch that unfold. And on top of that, the players around him are fun and experienced and talented, and it's a great set of players. I mean, Barnes has two full sets of five players that he can roll out. It is a deep team that is filled with talent and great leadership with Fulkerson and Santiago Vescovi and all of these guys that are a little bit older. Yes, you lost some key components. It was pretty, I will say this, it was pretty clear with the defense that you don't have Eve Ponce anymore. And that hurts, but you lost you lost like one of the best defensive players in America. That's what happens when you lose one of the best mm-hmm. defensive players in America. But I am begging Tennessee fans, like, do not let this opportunity buy you. Do not take it for granted. Don't don't go. It, you know, if if they let a few games slip by, don't fall don't fall into despair. They are young. Uh, yeah, if they lose this Villanova game, it's not. Oh yeah. That's, it it doesn't mean a lot right now. It doesn't mean a lot in, in November. Exactly. It, it It's early. But, I mean, yeah. this kid went out in game one and scored 20 points and, like, four assists and just, like, the way that he plays is so fluid. How, and his, his vision is incredible. And it just, oh, it's a joy to watch, man. How do you feel, after watching these first two games, how do you feel or what kind of impact do you think he's having on Vescovi and Vescovi being able to move? to more of an off-ball guard and not having to run the point. How how does that look to you so far? It's huge. I, I think that, honestly, if things really take a step up this season, that will be why. And and this is... I, I've had this knock on Barnes basically the entire time. He, he I don't think that he's refused. He just has not been able to get like a true dyed-in-the-wool like point guard that can run the floor really effectively and also be a great scorer. Now you had you had it briefly at the end of uh of Bones career. Mm, he yeah. was great for a time. He he wasn't kind of in the beginning of his time at Tennessee and then he formed into being one of the best point guards in America. But that that's the only time in Barnes time at Tennessee that he has had like a, a true Great point guard out there on the floor. And it's just so massive in college basketball. You look at the teams that win national championships, like that's where they excel. It's great to have a big man right now. Uh, And Tennessee has a few actually, Um, but a point guard can make or break you. And you, this season, I believe over time, you will end up having one of the best by far. Um, And a kid who's going to be a lottery pick probably next year in the NBA draft. And somebody who's truly special, and just I I hope that it becomes what it looks like it might. I do think it's going to take a little bit of time. There was also in those those first two games definite signs that they are not at the the peak of their cohesiveness. They they still need to play together. Also, Bar- Barnes flipped his style from one game to another. Two totally different games between one and two, and and the exhibition game too. The exhibition game in the first game. They threw up 47 threes and then 40 threes in the exhibition game in the first game. And yeah, they then, set up, what, a school record, right? 17 yeah, threes in the first game? 17 threes uh, in, in that 
season opening game and then just totally switched it up. Fulkerson comes back. Fulkerson was injured. He comes back for, for game number two. And the style was totally different. They're forcing the ball down low, really forcing the issue into the paint and and working the ball inside out rather than just kind of taking whatever open shot is there. And that's interesting. I don't know if he's if Barnes is doing that as a tactic to throw off Villanova's preparation and kind of go like, hey, look, we can play. We'll, we could try to just go shot for shot with you. Also, we could try to clamp down and throw the ball inside and play you in the post and you know, maybe he's just trying to show both sides of of this team and and you know, kind of go like, we're not going to tell you which one to be ready for. We're just going to come at you with what we come at you with. Um, maybe that's that strategy. Maybe he just hasn't made up his mind in terms of how he wants his team to play consistently. Maybe he's just going to switch a game to game and just go against this team. This is going to work better against this team. This is going to work better. Yeah, and, it's the Josh Heupel the, approach. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with with a rotation of ten guys, you could do that. And he he legitimately has a rotation of 10 guys. I think you will, especially in this Villanova game, you'll see him hone in on that starting five. They're, they're going to play the bulk of the game, and he's going to try to stretch them as much as he can and get as much good play out of the out of the you know first set of players that he can and then work in depth when he has to. But against like lesser teams, I mean, he it was just a revolving door in those first two games. It's just a whole... It was waves of guys that he has to just put out there. I, Barnes has done a great job building this team. I'm very excited to see how this season goes. I mean, if they if they end the season below like a five seed in the tournament, mm, it'll yeah. be disappointing to me. Yeah, for sure. I, I think just with the, the talent that he's putting out there between Chandler and Huntley Hatfield coming in, Jemima Shack available but rough around the edges. Um, uh, Ziegler is really exciting. He's a little loosey goosey with the basketball, but you know, I like it. You, and now, as you said, uh, Vescovi sliding over to the two is a nice development. I think he fits that much better just as a pure shooter. Justin Powell, that dude, if you leave him open, he will make the shot. And that's massive. Tennessee hasn't really had a player like that in a while. And I just think it, if you can get this train rolling, like I said, they were lacking a little bit of cohesiveness in those first two games. If you can get that to all come together and and just become like a well-oiled machine like it was with Grand Admiral, man, the sky's the limit. I, it's it's a Final Four team. It's a Final Four team. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. That's that's what this team is, I think, um, if they maximize their potential. It's not there yet. you got to maximize the potential, and I, I doubt they probably will in the first few weeks of the season that's a hard thing to ask from kennedy chandler who just played his second college basketball game ever but hard to tell it's just a second game ever it looks like a veteran already that's that's the crazy part and that that's why i i can't i can't emphasize enough tennessee fans if you if you're not a big basketball person be a big basketball person this season appreciate this because what this kid did in this first game like there are it's a shooting star to see a player who can come into his first basketball game at the college level and look that way. Yeah, we've seen plenty of like five-star kids, really highly touted guys, not come in and really do that the whole year and, and leave just just based on their potential alone. So for him to already be doing that, yeah, I, I can't wait to see where he's at in February and March. It's and the good news is, is that when he is one and done, you know Tennessee signed B.J. Edwards this week, so you've got another mm-hmm. point guard coming in right behind him that that's really talented too. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people kind of knocking Barnes like, "Oh, where are the big recruits still still coming?" You're gonna have a lot of guys coming back, I think, at least so far, unless Huntley Hatfield just like 
flips an absolute switch. He is very raw. Um, I doubt he's going to play much in the first part of the season. Um, I, I think Barnes has given him play when he can. He definitely did in those first two games because they're pretty low pressure situations. But he, I don't know that he has the prowess to be, to get a lot of minutes right now. So I think, you know, you get some of those kids, like a, a bona fide five star like him coming back a year from now. Obviously, you'll lose Fulkerson he had after his 10,000th year at Tennessee. Uh, you'll finally have to go after this year. But like, the, this team is set up for long-term success. And we were saying that years ago, and it has come to fruition. I, Barnes has done a good job to keep the train rolling. Um, where I, I think, you know, their their floor is like a, you're, you're slipping into the NCAA tournament. And that's okay, because if you're as long as you're in the tournament, you have a shot. Um, but this season... I first two games impression the final four is there is on the table for this team. I think with the talent, the depth that you have, it's, it's right there. I mean, if you can beat uh, Jay Wright in game three, Oh, that would be huge. Oh, I mean, you're going straight, you're going into the top 10 or what? 17th right now. I yep. think because they moved up one spot. Yeah. You're going into the top 10 easily. And you, I mean, you're playing, playing one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm-hmm with a great team and you know, you, you win that game I, that it just sort of pro- <laughs> proves what I'm saying here, I guess, but like it's, it's all there for Tennessee. And that's really, really exciting. And I mean, just dude, Tennessee sports in general right now, have we kind of addressed this? Like how good things are going on a macro level with Tennessee at the moment? It doesn't feel right. I, I don't like how good it's going. Can I just yeah, say it doesn't it, feel Tennessee ish. Yeah. Between baseball Basketball right now, football is better than anybody imagined it would be this year. Uh, it, it really is trending in the right way. Is it? Is it all because of Danny White? I mean, I know he didn't hire Vitello and and Rick Barnes, but since he arrived, it really has kind of changed. The atmosphere has changed. The culture has changed mm-hmm. because White uh, uh, he listens to the fans. Like the Vols letters, probably coming back to Neyland when they when they kind of mentioned that during the uh, Georgia game. Just some of the improvements and enhancements he's wanting to make to the facilities, you know he 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 listen. He's a smart guy. Uh, he he's he's a true athletic director. I know Philip Fomer has caught a lot of flack for the job he did as the athletic director, and I think I don't buy into this Fomer sabotaging stuff or tanking anything. I, he was just ill-equipped to do the job. He's not an athletic director. He's a football coach. Didn't Danny White is an athletic director, and he's he's really doing a good job so far. I think so. I don't think it's a coincidence. I would put it that way. That in And, oh, let's mention uh, soccer. Just won the SEC No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. They were, they were honored I, at the I, football game. Absolutely loved when Elante Taylor was talking to the media a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago. That he he pointed out that they had won that SEC championship and kind of took time to recognize them and it just, to me that that's the Danny White effect where he wants that kind of cohesiveness throughout athletics where it's you know it, it you should be proud of of all these athletic departments that's kind of or these teams that's just I don't know it, it's something about him and his culture that he's building yeah and I think Fulmer said it he never did it. But Fulmer said it. He said, "You know, we got to get everyone pulling in the same direction." I think that's the way that he all, he. He just it. didn't know how to do it, which he is didn't. it's a hard job. It's it not is. not just anyone can do it. I I was saying this to some friends of mine 
this this weekend actually because we were talking about how things were just going well with Tennessee and we were like what the heck like it just seemed like some sort of flip switch got flipped um but I also feel like like white has this he has a presentation when he goes out in public like he he is very well put together he says the right things he has mm-hmm. nice sound clips he keeps things wrapped up as far as like letting out information or anything like that and I get the feeling the like behind the scenes that dude is a shark i i just get i this is speculation on my part let me say 100% speculation i just get the feeling like have you ever had a boss that you know he'll go to like a networking event and where you're meeting people and he's he's shaking hands oh great great to see you bob oh you you look great and then when he's actually in the office he's like all right get to work yeah we're not playing around here we're here to make money you know and and i could just see like white and i'm not saying that that is a bad thing in fact my entire take with tennessee's administration for nigh on what 20 years now (laughs) has been total incompetence Mm -hmm. someone no true leader yeah no plan yeah these these spineless idiot ad's that they kept bringing in because they're friends of the university or whatever or you know Hart who he had Alabama by his name and they were infatuated by it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like whatever it was, just these losers that they kept bringing in that just let whatever happen. They let the donors run all over them. They let absolute chaos ensue in the athletic department. And I just feel like that dude's not letting that happen. I think that he he would crack down on any, any of that. Um, and again, just a, a feeling on my part that he just, he has that nice, oh, Danny White, we're, oh, look yes texture friends or whatever on the outside you know and then when he's behind closed doors he has command of the situation uh in a real way and that's that's what tennessee is needed and i hope that i'm right in that uh because tennessee need needed an ad with a backbone and i think they found one but they had to pay yeah well i mean that's worth it what we complained that tennessee wouldn't do for years so they they did go out there and they made a big hire and hopefully it's going to pay off in the long run here. Uh, he's going to be judged by Hypel. Ultimately, you're always judged by yeah. football. It doesn't matter how well baseball or basketball or, or soccer, any of that stuff does. It's all going to hinge on, on how the football program turns out with Hypel. So we'll see. It always does. And with that said, I think uh, that's that's the bulk of it. Any parting thoughts, Zach? Anything we might oh, you want to make a, a store prediction since we've – Oh, good day. Continued on that. And we we, have another football game coming up. Yeah. We've stayed pretty close (laughs) on most games. We've been in the except the Kentucky game, which nobody, nobody got anywhere close to that final score. Did I what did I say, Tennessee's did I say they were gonna score twenty four? Against Georgia? Yeah. No, you had thirty four to fourteen. Oh, I okay, so I I handicapped them three points. Thirty eight. Yeah, I had Tennessee's, but I was off yeah. on that thirty-eight seventeen. But you know, we're we're hey, both close. right there. We've we've been close on most of them. Yeah. So, well, for South Alabama, admittedly, have not been doing my they, homework on South Alabama. I looked a little bit today. They do have the nation's like twenty-seventh or twenty-eighth ranked defense. Hmm. Um, Kane Womack, their head coach, who was a, a, a defense coordinator, at Indiana. I think he was a, under uh, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. They're five and five, but they did just get beat by App State, thirty-one to seven. Oof. So you know, 
they're they're better, I guess, than they were, but they're still South Alabama. The talent's nowhere close, and they're not averaging. You know, they're not putting up a lot of points. They're just kind of grinding out wins. It appears. Yeah, I mean, uh, no matter how you slice it, a loss in this game or even a close game is not good. Um, uh, I think we could say that with pretty a pretty good amount of confidence. Tennessee, I was trying to look twenty seven point favorite in this one, so. Um, with that, we could say, will Tennessee cover? That's a lot of points, but Tennessee's putting up a lot of points. You did say their strong suit is defense. I'll go. So is Georgia's, though. So Yeah. I'll go 49-13. Uh, That's what I'll say. I'm not far off. I have uh, 45-17. So. Okay. There you go. I guess we both have them covering then because I've got a 28 point. Yeah. Yep. So hey. place your bets accordingly. Exactly. Definitely listen to us. We are. <laughs> we have, we actually have been this season. Yeah. You nailed. Didn't you nail one of the games? Like, yeah, I, number. I, I think it was the Pittsburgh game. So it was Tennessee was on the wrong end of it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so. if it makes anybody feel feel better, went to Tennessee basketball game over the weekend and uh, just with some friends of mine, we all we decided to just make like a bet on the game, like all of us, just to have like a stake in it outside of being Tennessee fans. Um, and we we won that bet. It was ten- Tennessee uh, for se- seventy eight points or more in that game, which seemed low for how Tennessee plays basketball. And we nailed it. So hey, I'm good at betting. I won my lunch money back. I I bought lunch at the game and I won my money back. So. Frankly, if you don't listen to our advice on betting, who's who's the dummy here? Well, so Tennessee's two and zero with you in attendance, right? So far, yeah. So I assume you're going to Connecticut to watch them play Villanova. So they'll uh, be three zero. I gotta yes. Uh, I no. I wish I was. Uh, so we know I really who wish bl- I we was. know who to, we know who to blame if this goes south. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Either way. Um, Great stuff, as always, Zach. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. A to Z sports.com for all the stuff that we write. Um, the Big Orange Podcast, of course, over on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Download, rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Um, don't miss an episode. Otherwise, uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, or Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, Nashville. I think that's all. There we go. Nailed it. Not really. Thanks to everyone for listening. That is all. We will talk to you all next week. See you guys later.